Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, Brad, there it is. The great Gloria Gaynor. I will survive. Uh, an anthem. Maybe not necessarily of the 80s, but people certainly played it in the 1980s. And she was just a disco queen. I believe she was, although that's a different song, Disco Queen. That is a different song, and it's also that a different uh, podcast. Queen. That's a different yeah. podcast altogether. Right. Uh, but you're back from Hawaii. You're in quarantine now in an undisclosed location, so I take it everything went well. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Hawaii is a long ways away. Turns Swimming out. pools, movie stars, but now you're back in the Berkshires, ensconced in your, uh, in your uh, humble abode. Indeed. Uh, up on the peak, and uh, you're ready to rock and roll. I am. I'm looking forward to it. Proud of your, uh, proud of your country and everything that's happened over the past week. So that's good. Well, I'm always proud of my country. I, not, not, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm in any way, shape or form proud of its leadership. That's a different thing, but I am proud of my country. No better oh. country to live in than this one, my friend. Well, listen, we'll get to that here on the latest episode of EBIT. I mean, uh, IP frequently, uh, the number one business podcast, certainly my friend in Sweden, yeah, I don't know how many podcasts they have in Sweden. So, you know, I'm not really sure what our competition is there, but we we do, for some strange reason, do very well there. Probably because we look good in bikinis, would be my guess. I'm pretty confident that's the case. We're excited to be here with you live studio audience again. Brad cannot be here because he's self-quarantining. Tell us about the vacation. Was it uh, everything you dreamed of and more? You know, but as you know, uh, you and I haven't been long time close personal friends. I'm not a beach guy. I don't really like the beach, but we were uh, at a hotel on a beach. The kids loved it. My wife enjoyed it. And uh, therefore I consider it a success. No, very exciting, very exciting stuff. So you're back and uh, tan, it's, as they call Dick Nixon in the eighties, tan, rested and ready. And ready. All three of those things. That's correct. Correct. And they also, I, I'm proud to say that we have a new nickname on the Twitter this week. The Wizards of Woke. Ah, and who is that? I, I suppose that's you and I. Oh, so, uh, that may be a stretch, but it, I, I do like the alliteration. That's an interesting name for a podcast. So is EBITDA, but uh, we're not going to get into that right now. The boys downtown are trying to rebrand the podcast. They're talking about mass appeal as we transition over to the up-and-coming genre of radio. Hmm. 
Well, that'll be good. I'll be interested to see what they come up with. Yeah, and you can certainly It'll be get tough all to of... beat IP frequently. That's a great name for a podcast. Everybody says it. And we're literally, it's literally true. Exactly. Yeah, I had a, I had a call this week with one of the boys downtown. You know, the boys in the band, and um, they explained to me that IP frequently literally means that you urinate frequently. And he, he said, "Do you understand that, right?" And I said, "Yes, I do." We we named it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but. Well, well, sometimes those guys are, you know, what, what's the best way to put it? Slow on the uptake? Right? Yeah, slow on the uptake. Like Captain Crunch, you know, slow on the uptake. But a damn good cereal, my friend, especially in milk. Oh, yeah. But Captain Crunch. You get the Crunch Berries going in there or even the peanut butter crunch. That is a top-notch breakfast experience. I don't care who you are. Yeah, the, the issue is, though, if you let that uh, Crunch Berry or otherwise sit too long, it's just going to be a soggy mess, my friend, soggy mess. Yeah, that's true. You have to, not, if you want the crunch, you got to get on it, but that's like running a small business. If you want the crunch, you got to get on it. If you let your small business sit, it just becomes a sloppy mess. That, that, that's it. That, that, that words to live by. So you may be wondering why Brad and I are utilizing a little more of what we call banter at the beginning of this podcast. It's almost like we're afraid to get to the newsreel portion of the show uh, and then some of the other um, uh, some of the other uh, portions of the show, as if we're reluctant to talk about them. But no, we are not. So we'll start, Brad, with an update on the biggest story in the world, globally speaking and otherwise, the elephants rampaging through China proper. Oh, yeah. How's that going? I, they well, were taking a rest when last they, we spoke. Yeah, they were taking a rest. They were down to about 12, down from 16. Uh, now it looks like four more have completely lost interest and wandered off. Um, probably all food at this point. Uh, but the other eight or seven or so are still sleeping. Oh, well, that's all right. I mean, you know, well-rested, well-tested, they say. At this point, no new news, so that's good. Um, but uh, we are uh, excited to report that the elephants that remain, when they wake up, may very well continue that rampage that is ravage the Chinese countryside and cost the Chinese people, I think, 48 trillion yuan, which is the equivalent of $76 at this point. Yeah. China's a big place, buddy. I mean, say what you will, it's a big place. So I, I think you would need more than a handful of elephants to do real damage to that country. But if it's your 76 bucks, you know, that stings a little. It's almost like it's taken by a uh, foreign cartel out of your hands in Mexico without you knowing. Yeah, these things happen. Yes, they do, my friend. Yes, they do. Well, without further ado, Brad, let's, we've been trying to avoid it. Let's dive in to Newsreel. And what everyone is saying with Newsreel is how do the current events of today, what you see on the news every night with John Chancellor, how does that affect me and my small business? How is it that I am going to take this information and get a leg up on uh, some of my competition uh, as I uh, as I look to see what uh, is happening in the world today? And we're here to answer that question, my friend. We are yes, here we are. to answer. We're here to help everyone raise their leg onto their business competition. Yeah, maybe two, maybe both. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe a full vault. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, well, first, Brad, uh, the uh, big insurrection uh, that took place on January 6th this year, sedition, the worst um, uprising since the Civil War in the United States. 
Uh, we have now come to find out that there are about two dozen unindicted co-conspirators who have um, participated in, in some cases, led the siege on the Capitol that led to, among other things, someone taking a poop on the floor of, uh, uh, of uh, the majority leader, Charles uh, Evans Schumer, uh, someone putting their feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk, and the man with the, um, the horns just wandering around with that big Chewbacca shirt. But it looks like uh, dozens of people who were involved in the charging of uh, some of the insurrectionists uh, were working with and for the FBI. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a good uh, a good thing? What? So there, so they, there's they're unindicted co-conspirators. Yes. If you're an unindicted co-conspirator, then that means you were a party to the process, subject to criminal prosecution potentially. But for whatever reason, either the pros probably the prosecutor said, "Well, we're not actually going to indict them." Oftentimes, that arises because that person is cooperating. But you typically would not characterize a source or an undercover. Uh, agent as being an unindicted co-conspirator. Exactly. And that's that's the whole uh, problem behind this uh, January 6th uh, sedition, right? There, there are a number of individuals involved with the FBI mm -hmm. that have now been uh, identified and they're identified in pleadings because they're they're testifying yeah, against yeah, some of the others. Yeah, yeah. And now it looks like the FBI had informants on the ground who were not only participating in the worst insurrection since the Civil War, but were in, in some cases in the in the pleadings leading the insurrection. And this has come out this week with Freedom of Information Act requests and public filings in federal courts where um this is sort of starting to unfold. And, and so it seems like, and, and, you know, there are a lot of questions about this whole sedition thing, including, you know, the, the one woman that got killed who was uh, uh, attending the rally was killed by some law enforcement officer. They still haven't identified who or, or how, but it, it just seems to me that looking at w what's happened with uh, how this has been prosecuted and how, dozens of people have been detained indefinitely, again, compared to what happened last summer when people were shot and killed and then the um, people that uh, did it were immediately released or bailed out based on members of Congress raising funds. Um, it seems like unequal treatment. And it also seems like the scales may be tipped a little bit in the uh, in, to the detriment of some of the people that attended well, the Trump rally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the F look, unfortunately, because the FBI was you know, a jewel in the crown of the United States, right? The idea that a society, a nation would establish an investigative body and instruct that investigative body to go out and recruit, you know, the, the best folks they could find and then not restrict them in any way with respect to those whom they could investigate. Right? I mean, you had some very famous cases against federal judges, against members of Congress, but it spoke highly of the American experiment that we were confident enough in it to establish a broadly empowered investigative body and just say, hey, we don't care. President, member of Congress, judge, doesn't matter. If they're not playing by the rules, you guys figured out 
and you guys bring them to justice. And that was relatively unique globally, right? That idea. And again, I think it spoke highly of American society. And unfortunately, that organization has, you know, pretty apparently gone south. And I don't blame the street agent for that. I blame entirely the leadership. I don't know how that happened. I I do know that the FBI's process and program for bringing people from being investigative agents to being supervisors and understand that those are that's kind of a line you cross in the FBI. Once you get into the suit, you don't have to ever become a supervisor. It's not like the military where it's up or out, right? You can choose to stay on the street, wear your gun, wear your badge, do investigations, bring the bad guys in, or you can choose to go into supervision. And those are almost two separate groups. They are two separate groups within the FBI. And it seems like that process has broken down badly because the folks who have percolated their way to the top are, you know, do not seem to be the best and the brightest and certainly seem to be willing to impose their personal political beliefs onto the organization. And if it turns out to be true that, you know, the FBI was sort of, I mean, one of the big things that you just can't do is entrap, right? I mean, you just can't do that. There's all kinds of rules and regulations set up to prevent even the, the you know, the, the, the perception that there might have been entrapment. And if it turns out that the FBI was literally rallying people to, you know, riot in the Capitol, well then, I mean, they, they just need a clean house in that organization. It just, it, it, I mean, that's, I mean it, 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 it seems it, hard to, but it seems hard to believe, but that's the, the latest story that came out. And then it does seem hard to believe also that you have all these unindicted co-conspirators that are identified as, uh, government sources and as leaders in this movement, right? Leaders in the the, the January sixth thing, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. again, if those if that if they were private citizens who were leading the thing, and then the bureau flipped them, right? Went to them and said, "Hey, look, you have two choices: you can go to jail, or you can testify against other people." That's one thing, right? But if they were already working in some capacity for the FBI and in that capacity, encouraged, inspired, led, whatever, any arguably criminal activity, I mean, you just you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good either way. And you know, the, 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 the I blame. So one, this was all on Trump's watch, right? President Trump. Uh, it was his head of the FBI after he, didn't fire the last guy was just a a nightmare and he appointed this new guy who was even not worse but not it doesn't seem to be any better and so it seems to me that it'll take presidential leadership to change this but it's it is somewhat disturbing that dozens of people who were part of the whole january 6th episode are still locked up with no uh, hearings, no parole, no ability to be released. And, um, you know, a lot of the folks who rioted last summer just got right out and started. Well, to, I mean, yeah, to I mean, to, to your chaos. earlier point, I mean, it's just, we have failed to equally apply the law in an incredible number of very parallel circumstances over the last year or so. I mean, there's just no question of that, but, you know, worse than it just being the the January sixth episode. I mean, if the I mean the bureau has incredibly broad investigative powers, 
And, you know, still to this day, I'm sure it is true that its reputation carries a lot of weight. Like typically, if someone knocks on your door and presents themselves as special agent of the FBI and then presents their credentials, making it clear that they are, in fact, a special agent of the FBI, and they ask to come in your house, you're going to let them in, right? I mean, you know, the average American would not only let them in, but would welcome them in. I mean, that was one of the reasons why the FBI was so successful is because it had the backing and support and trust of the American people. That's how crime gets solved, because the people who are witness to it, around it, have knowledge of it, are willing to cooperate with law enforcement. Once you lose that, it becomes very difficult to solve a case. And that being the case for the FBI, if they have become a politicized organization who is not simply seeking after facts and seeking after the truth of what happened, but wants to influence the outcome of an investigation in one direction or another because they are bringing a preconceived notion of what the, that outcome should be that goes beyond what the law states, that's a very dangerous thing, right? Now you basically become internal security. And you know that even if the perception of that kind of gets smeared across the bureau, you have big problems. Yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare. It's a, sort of like creating a secret police and, you know, we don't, nobody wants that well, I mean, no. unless you're controlling them. Uh, but you know what? The only thing we need is good, solid political leadership to take it on. And we've got that. As we saw this week, President Biden goes to the G7 meeting in jolly old England and uh, didn't fall down the stairs of Air Force One. Uh, did enjoy an ice cream. I mean, he just talk about some of the issues that happened at the G7 meeting. Um, did defer a lot and did some elbow tapping with the leaders of Europe, Merkel, Macron, uh, Boris, who's the head of uh, the, the UK, the London. And uh, and then the uh, for some reason, they let the guy from Canada in who wears blackface, uh, Justine Trudeau. And so he, he elbow shook him. Uh, and then he, the next thing you know, you see him at the lunch where he was just sort of wandering around, wondering where he was, answering questions from the press. And then his wife came over and grabbed him. Uh, and then finally, he insulted the queen, I guess, by wearing sunglasses to a photo op with the queen. Nobody, nobody does that. So all in all, though, the G, before we even get to the Putin meeting, which is sort of, you know, when you just say it can't get any better, it gets better. Uh, the G7 seemed to go swimmingly for your uh, your uh, your boy there. Look again, we've talked we talk about this almost every week because the guy walks himself into it almost every week. Biden is adult. I, I, I mean, I, I honestly, I've said it. I'll say it again. I'm sure it'll continue to be true. I feel sorry for the guy. He is in so far over his head. Certainly now. I mean, arguably ever. I don't know if there was ever a point in time where he would have made a good chief executive of the United States of America, but he certainly doesn't now. And he's only there because he was the only one the Democratic Party could put up against Trump. And he got enough votes from people who were not voting for him, but just against Trump. And that's on Trump, right? I mean, if Trump had had a lick of humility, if he'd have had a lick of sense, he'd still be the president, but he doesn't. And so that's on him. But again, you know, it, it is important to bear in mind that the guy who's currently in the Oval Office did not get there on his own merit. He got there on the lack of merit of his opponent. Yeah. And, and every time you see that guy in public, it, it is just 
reiterated that he's he's just in way way over his head and you know it's unfortunate because there's not a lot of good way to you know sort of tap him on the shoulder and and cut in if you know what i mean i mean gonna have to wait another few years to elect somebody you know i'd hate to see the 25th amendment applied because that means something really bad happened yeah really bad is kamala harris becomes president well yeah We, we you know You'd have to do it twice, I guess, in order to. Oh, then you get Pelosi, you know, then and then you're, you're good. Then you're good. You can't do then that. Who comes after that? You know this better than I do. The uh, president pro tem of the Senate, who I believe uh, is, that Schumer? is. No, he's the oh. majority of the. It's someone who's been there for like a million. Probably oh, Pat Leahy, yeah. maybe Pat Leahy, or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe they'll dig up old Bob Bird, you know, to, to do it. But it's look, it's 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 all kidding aside, it's disturbing and. Uh, and you're right. It is. It is the prior administration's fault for letting this happen. But the good news is, from the G7, quickly transitioned to um, the, the the meeting in Geneva with Putin and the the Russians uh, again, evil incarnate during the campaign uh, to set the tone for that. The Russian Navy conducted the largest um, naval exercise in war games of the Pacific since the end of the Cold War. And it was about 300 miles west of the Hawaiian Islands. Coincidence that you were there? I don't think so. I could see him. If I stood on my tiptoes, I could see him. Yeah, you could see Russia from your house. But look, um, so Russia starts off. Can you imagine if they did that to Reagan? Or if, of course, they wouldn't, right? But no. So they do They do that. Then they get into the meeting. And it, it's – and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm an American. I always root for the USA. I rooted for the USA with – with Clinton, with Obama. But in this case, even though I'm rooting, it's tough because it's sort of like rooting for the Washington senators when they're playing the, the Globetrotters, right? He was beaten like a drum with uh, uh, Putin. He shut down the, the, the pipeline operations in Europe. And then you end up with this crazy scenario where now Russia is feeding oil to and gas to, uh, uh, to our European allies and you know, Germany, France, Etc. and benefiting from that where they didn't have a market for the oil in, in the past. Uh, and then when Putin and, and, and Biden get out of the meeting, the only one who has a presser is Putin. And he gets up there when they ask him about poisoning that dude that he, he clearly had poisoned and starts talking about, well, America is a country of oppression. He basically takes the talking points from Biden's debate with Trump and says, America is a place of depression, of oppression. They're killing black people in the streets. Police officers are there just murdering black people for no reason. Um, you can't get a break, yada, yada. And so is he smart to do it? Sure. Um, but there used to be a time in this country where we had uh, sort of politics ending at our country's borders. And when Reagan went overseas, Tip O'Neill would never dare um, uh, go after him because he was a patriot, not because of anything else. Uh, and the same held true for when Clinton went overseas with, with Newt Gingrich, um, and even obviously before that. And now we've got a scenario where um, everything is fair game. I mean, Trump's criticizing Biden while he's over there meeting with, with Putin, and Biden's, Biden's butchering it up, and his talking points come back to bite him. And it, it's just a damn mess. Yeah, no, I mean, again, there's no, there are, there, I, I defy anyone to name an adult who's, any part of this process. I, I am sure one of the things that I take some comfort in, perhaps naively, is that of the 435 members of Congress 
the only ones that I can name are all dolts, right? Is they 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 get on TV and they get into the national consciousness because of the stupid things they say and do, right? But but that's like maybe, I mean, honest to goodness, I mean, I'll be surprised if I could name. This probably says more about me than than I wanted to, but I'll be surprised if I could name twenty members of Congress. So I'm hoping that the other you know, 415 that I can't name just have their nose to the grindstone. They're staying out of trouble. They're trying to represent their constituency. They're trying to see laws passed and policy put in place that is going to benefit the people of the 13th district of, you know, Arkansas, wherever the hell it is they come from and good for them. Right. But of the people that we see in the news, the people that are out there that are the public face of our government, both domestically and internationally, there's not a single adult out there, not one. Yeah, what a what a nightmare! I mean, the whole thing is a is a disgrace on both sides. By the way, on both sides. Yeah, but, absolutely. But but I mean, it's it's sort of like a business analogy when you're dealing with competition. Uh, the way you deal with competition is you don't just capitulate, right? Right. And so you know that that's that appears to be what we've done here again and again. And I'll tell you, it's it's just it, it, it this isn't Obama. 2.0. It's not because Obama had really good people around him. I think, I mean, you know, some of them had questionable um, policies in certain areas, but at least you could say, okay, his national security advisor was a Marine, a good guy. In this case, everything ties back to the wokeness of this administration. And what happens then is you just get stuff shoved up your ass like uh like, like what just happened to the, to the president in Geneva and what continues to happen over and over again. And it's sort of like in a competitive situation, if your business competitor is out there running laps around you and what you do is you, you roll out somebody who has no clue how to effectively win in the marketplace, you're going to get, you're going to get slugged in the mouth over and over again. And that's what's happening to us right now. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it, I mean that it, it's just embarrassing. It's cringy as my kids would say. I mean, it's, you literally, find yourself with secondhand embarrassment watching Biden do damn near anything to include interact with his own vice president. I mean, she is the epitome of cringy that that cackle that she rolls out whenever she gets nervous and realizes, uh Oh, I've just stepped in it is, is incredibly cringy. And she's basically told the president to go F himself. Right. I mean, he said, you're going to be in charge of, of the border. Now that was him telling her to go F herself in fairness and then, you know, she was savvy enough, I guess, to say, yeah, I'm not having any part of that. And so now what you have is, is a, a true humanitarian crisis of the United States' making on our own southern border that no one is apparently responsible for. Biden has said the vice president is, is responsible for it. She has made it clear she's not taking responsibility for it. And so I guess that just means no one's in charge of it. And, you know, say what you will, setting aside the legitimate approach that the United States can and should be taking, which is to, you know, manage immigration well for the benefit of those currently in this country and those who desire to get into this country because of what it is, not because of what it would be if everybody just overran our borders, right? I mean, the reason people want to come is because we have properly managed immigration in the past. And this country is a great place to live as a result, at least in part of that, right, of that policy of being able to properly bring in folks who add value 
to the American experiment, right? And and we have stopped doing that. And and you know, apparently no one is in charge of that. And that's bad for those of us that are here. And it's worse for those trying to get in. I mean, you've got families being separated, you got people basically just penned up like animals, you get kids who don't know where their parents are. It's absurd. And it's all self-inflicted. I mean, that that doesn't have to happen. It's done because no one is in charge. It's terrible. Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not good. We're in a world of hurt. The good news is we only have three more years of this, three and a half. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, let's focus on something we can control. Is that okay? Uh, certainly not our own bladders then at that point. No, because we pee frequently. But how about a version of TikTok time machine tied to what you just said, right? What you just said. Okay. Right. We're going to basically, this is something we're going to go a little off the cuff, a little bit crazy, but you said you can't name, um, what would you say, more than 20 members of Congress? Yeah, maybe. The only ones you can name are dolts. So yeah. let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of Congressman uh, uh, Donald Payne Jr.? Donald Payne Jr., he, congressman from New Jersey. He's a legislator. Um, he is a uh, uh, what I would call probably one of the rock solid Democrats in uh, Congress. And this past week, he was on a um, uh, hearing, and they're doing all their hearings virtually because all the Congress people have been um, vaccinated and uh, wear masks. But they're doing them all virtually via Zoom. And apparently, he rolled out of bed. And uh, he uh, exposed his um, uh, rather ample uh, stomach, belly, stomach, and his boxer shorts during the hearing. Um, so <laughs> he, he was on a Zoom call with other members of Congress. He was in a committee hearing okay. on Zoom. <laughs> and he stood up. He apparently just got out of bed. It was, of course, 930 in the morning. Uh, and uh, he... Uh, he, he stood up and he exposed his belly and boxer shorts. And it, it was shared by another member of Congress who was recording the Zoom session. Now, again, his office said, look, he's a public service. Um, his focus is on the public good and he's struggling with his weight and the diabetes. And that prevented him from getting up and getting dressed? Those, those his service and his diabetes? Well, in his defense, he did get up. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons we're even talking about it. Uh-huh. Didn't get dressed. I, I know several diabetics who are, you know, up and at them every morning and dressed like adults. I, yeah, I know. he did have like a Captain America shirt on. Of course and, he did. And uh, a nice pair of boxers. Now, the shirt didn't mm-hmm. go all the way down his stomach. Well, no, I mean, Captain America is built slightly differently than Representative Payne, apparently. Yeah, but in any event, there we are. Uh, you failed at that, uh, but that that's okay. Um, we'll get, uh, we'll, we'll find something. That, well, it, uh, unfortunately it disproves my hopeful theory, right? I was hoping that the ones I hadn't heard of were the adults and were just doing their job. And I had not heard of Donald Payne junior, junior or junior. senior for that matter. Um, or the third, if there happens to be one, I had not heard of, of any of the Donald Paynes and, uh, and, but he has proven that he is likewise not an adult. And uh, th- therefore, now I have to be concerned that perhaps all 435 members of the lower house are uh, exposing their midriff, their ample midriff to their colleagues during committee hearings. 
Yeah, but today, if, if you're wandering around the, um, the Berkshires and someone says, can you name a member of Congress, I'm pretty confident that you're going to say, sure, Donald Payne Jr. Donald Payne Jr. of New Jersey. Yeah, still there. Still there, fella. Uh, next, Brad, RIP report. This is where we talk about people that have left us all too soon. And again, the business message here is that people die. They do. Yeah, that's that's true. Every day. Every day. People die every day. Uh, this week, we have a another um, uh, full notebook, unfortunately. Ned Beatty, the great character actor um, who was in Superman, the yeah. uh, film Network, and uh, was also in Deliverance. Yeah, he was. He had an unfortunate role in Deliverance. He did. It didn't, yeah, it didn't go well. Um, but uh, gone, I think it was in his 80s, gone to, uh, I guess, gone too soon. Yeah, yep, gone too. Great actor. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't know anything about him other than that. I don't know if he was a good guy or not a good guy. Never heard one way or the other, but the films in which I saw him uh, did a fine job at his chosen profession. Didn't make it, didn't make it. Then uh, next, F. Lee Bailey, the famous lawyer. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, gone too soon, a member of OJ's dream team, uh, also defended the Boston Strangler, Sam Shepard, um, or Alberto DeSalvo, one or the other, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, great trial lawyer. He, he's the one that turned uh, 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 Mark Furman on the stand and demonstrated, I'm not exactly sure what, and why he gets to do it in front of a jury, no one will ever know. Yeah. Um, but man-to-man, uh, -man, um, uh, a great uh, Marine, and loved his scotch, I guess. Loved his scotch. Yep. Yeah, no, again, another guy that I, you know, again, I don't know him personally, don't know anything about him, but in his chosen profession, a pro's pro. Pro's pro. Then speaking of a pro's pro, um, the best for last, Frank Bonner. Uh, passed away uh, this past week at the age of 79. One of the great actors, uh, Brad, of our time, and certainly one of the great character actors of the 80s. WKRP in Cincinnati, right? Herb Tarlock, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and that was a great show. It was a great show and uh, probably one of the show. great, uh, someone, I, I wish I could remember what the theme song went like, but I haven't heard it in a long time. But uh, Frank Bonner uh, passed away. Herb Tarlick was in love with Lonnie Anderson. Who wasn't? That's true. That's true. Um, but you know, one of the, uh, one of the greats will miss him. And, uh, and yeah, there, it, uh, there it is. Uh, not much more we can say about that, but I'll tell you what, that trio, Beatty, uh, Bailey and uh, Bonner, um, you know, three B's. There it three is. B's. Yeah. Tough, tough week to have a last name that starts with B. Uh, that's true. <laughs> we dodged one there. Huh, we, we did. We did. Uh, let's see. Next, uh, we'll go to Venera Chronicles. It's uh, weird because each week I keep Googling Venera and the next number in the sequence, and yeah. a new one keeps coming up. How about that? You know what? Don't even, if you happen to know, do not tell me how many there are. I'm going to be, I just want them to continue to come until they, you know, don't. I don't know what we're going to do when this, uh, when this peters up, but we're on Venera 10. Ah, the Venera 10. We've been talking about this for a 10 weeks. A decade of Veneras. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it sounds like a disease that you would get like in the 80s in, yeah. in the Bay Area. Yeah, correct. Or the nether regions, depending on your, your proclivity. Correct. Uh, so let's see, Venera 10, Brad. This is the one where we've been holding out. I remember last week, Venera 9, we had the problem with the uh, cameras, uh, the lens caps. 
Uh, Venera 10, let's see, it was launched on June 14th, 1975. Not quite Juneteenth, but close. Close. And they did celebrate in space uh, when they were up there. United Good Eye, and again, is the mastermind. It entered Venus's orbit on October 23rd, 1975, almost Halloween. Almost. Yeah, and there was an orbiter and a lander, right? The orbiter was the orbiter, and then the lander was going to go explore the uh, planet Venus and eventually set up a colony there. Oh, well, uh, tough thing to do, but I applaud the effort. Yeah, so on the 23rd of October, 1975, similar, close in time to the Red Sox, uh, Reds World Series, the orbiter separated from the lander and the lander headed towards the- uh, The uh, land. The land. And it uh, landed near the border between Beta Regio and Hydea Regio. Um, It's a great uh, spot. I mean, all things considered, yeah. Yeah. It uh, measured uh, surface wind speed uh, of, it was pretty fast. Uh, and then it, 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 it showed a lot of pancake-shaped uh, lava. Hmm. Um, and then I, I quote, plan, and this is a quote from the, uh, the captain's log, quote, planned 360 degree, you can't make this up, planned 360 degree panoramic pictures could not be taken because, comma, as with Venera 9, one of the two lens covers were not removed, limiting pictures to 180 degrees. Yeah. See, that's, you got to look at yourself. If, if you're in the Soviet space program at that point, you got to look at yourself and say, yeah, we got to do better. Right? Can you imagine being a cosmonaut? I mean, it's one thing, you know, to, to send an unmanned vehicle off into space and see what happens, right? But if you're a cosmonaut, these are the same folks that are designing, you know, your manned vehicles, yeah. right? And that, yeah, I mean, it, it does make me admire either the courage or the stupidity or some combination thereof of the cosmonauts during the 1970s. Well, the good news is half of these cosmonauts, I think there were 16 on this project, um, defected to the U.S. and they were in charge of the O-rings on the uh, space shuttle uh, Challenger. So that's yeah, good. Apparently, was, yeah. they did contribute. That. But that is that amazing? You imagine if Stalin were alive, and you say, "Okay, we fucked up on Venera Nine because we didn't take the lens cap off." And it's like then you're thinking, "Okay, Venera Ten. What's the one thing you can't do? The one thing? I mean, you can do anything else, right? Because right. you know that fucker, the the, the lander is going to be eviscerated." within minutes as soon as it hits the planet, right? Yeah. So uh, the one thing you can't do is the same thing you did yeah, on Venera. Yeah. yeah. And so you imagine you did what? Oh, yeah. Come on, come on in here. Come on in here. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. But they, listen, listen, there may be a Venera 10. We're not sure. I'm pretty confident there is because, you know, try and try again. That is the Soviet scientific method. So we'll just keep our uh, – our uh, eyes out on that. And again, there are a lot of people clamoring for the next best thing to presidential poll position. And I think we've got it here by the short hairs with uh, the venereal disease. Yeah. The, the uh, venereal disease based chronicles exploration of Venus that thus far has not gone well for the home team. Venus no. 10 Soviet union, nothing. Yeah. Although if, if, if you did an analogy to Biden and Putin, um, uh, uh, Putin would be the planet Venus and Biden would be the lander. 
yeah, they've obviously learned something from that process by the time they got to old Vlad Putin. Yeah. Well, the narrative, you know what though? Once again, I am, I know you are the perpetual uh, optimist. I am a, a pessimist. I am the optimist. I'm going to say that Venera 11 is going to be the one where they do get the colony on that planet and they turn things around. Well, they, I, I do think they need to bring back the busts of Lenin. They seem, things seem to have gone downhill since they stopped including the busts of Lenin. Yeah, the, when you look at the, um, the list of the payload, there are a lot of things I can't pronounce, mm-hmm. but there's nothing that says bust of Lenin or Soviet yeah. flag. So, right. I can so they, they might need to go back to you know, what, what would now be referred to as old school Venera and yeah. see if they can't you know, rekindle some of that mojo. Yeah, I mean the ones that were off course by like twelve million miles, and they just sort of right. readjusted and like. Yeah, it's just a mid-flight correction. It's a couple million miles. You'd be all right. Yeah, it's just too bad. But anyway, you know what? Next week is another week. Venera Eleven is another Venera. So finally, Brad, uh, the Bronze Stevie Award-winning uh, segment Barter Band. Ah, let's have it. Here we are. Uh, well, I mean, look, there are a lot of things we could talk about uh, this week, but what everyone is talking about are the scorching hot temperatures in the uh, South and in the Southwest. Uh, In Texas, where you and I are based when you're not in some hotel, uh, it is in the hundreds, uh, low hundreds, in some cases the 90s, but who's counting? Uh, We are, because in Death Valley, California right now, it is 124 degrees, and the record is like 133, and it is fast approaching the record, and it's causing uh, blackout, rolling blackouts in the uh, Southwest, in Texas. Uh, it is causing chaos among policymakers. It is causing AOC and her crowd to say, I told you so, uh, when it comes to global warming and clean energy, green energy. Um, but the question is, is global warming, it looks like it's coming true in Death Valley. Um, should it be barred or banned or should we just embrace it? Well, I mean, first of all, nothing is dumber and darkly funny than these morons who come out and say, see, I told you, it's, it's, there's a hot day. It's not even the record, right? When was that record set? Do you happen to know that? Is that available? Is that at your fingertips? I think it was 2014. Okay. So seven years, we haven't seen those temperatures. So, I mean, I, I don't pretend to be a climatologist, Maybe there's a seven-year road to, I, I don't know. But, it, you know, at least the popular perception- I will, of, So, Brad, I misspoke. I misspoke. The, the record, 134 degrees, was set on July 10th, 1913. I see. Okay, so uh, boom. You can look around, you know, all over the place for a highest temperature. It's very commonly been a long time ago, or even coldest temperatures, right? I mean, these things are unusual in a balanced climate, which is- effectively what we have here, right? So I, it, you can stop firing up your Twitter machine right now. I understand there's all sorts of details in the global warming thing. I, I admit readily, I don't understand them all, but I will tell you that AOC saying, look, there's a hot day in Death Valley, I told you so, is ludicrous. So uh, next week, Brad, we're going to get to NBA finals talk where we'll get into... Uh, the machinations of uh, who we think is going to win there. We'll also talk about Wimbledon and how we're stacking the uh, the different um, uh, wow, the different brackets. At Wimbledon. 
breakfast at Wimbledon. That's, you know, it's a tradition unlike any other. I don't know why you play tennis on grass, but I like it. And then Brad, we'll talk more about the, uh, the podcast, the radio program, and the big uh, uh, wiffle ball tournament that's coming up on Martha's Vineyard the first week of August. The top. I love wiffle ball. Yeah, no, we're excited. We've got five of those uh, wiffle ball bats and uh, wiffle balls, and Brad and I will be picking teams among our many listeners. A lot of them will have to get their uh, COVID shots and passports in order because they'll be coming to Sweden from Sweden, uh, but we're very excited about that as well. Yeah, they play mean wiffle ball in Sweden. It's my understanding. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, buddy. I, I, I like it. I like the whole idea. I'm certainly looking to the wiffle ball tournament, the NBA talk. Not so much. I'm not a huge pro basketball guy, but I know we have listeners that are particularly in Sweden. And so we will be sure to call cover all of that on the upcoming and future episodes of IP frequently. This has been IP frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.